This podcast is edited and partly recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello everyone, welcome to Books Without Borders, the podcast where two people in different hemispheres come together to talk about our favourite things, books. I'm Emma. And I'm Nina. How has your week been? My week has been pretty good, I would say. Yeah? Yeah, things have looked up. Well, okay, I got my wisdom teeth removed, so that was rough. (laughs) That was not, that was not a positive note to start the week on. But I just got to like relax and sleep it out, basically, Mm -hmm. which has been really nice. What did I do? I installed a cat door for my cat. Nice. Um, I just did a lot of like miscellaneous tasks and relaxed and read and, you know, the usual. Sounds relaxing. How about you? (laughs) Yeah. How about you? Pretty good, I think. It started with, honestly, honestly, the main feature of the last week has been my sleep schedule is terrible, but the reason it's terrible was started by a good reason, which I'll get into. So no regrets, I guess. I'm on the edge of my seat. We'll get there. Tell me, what, tell me about it. Well, yeah, I guess I'll get into it. The reason my sleep schedule ended up getting a little screwy was because I stayed up late one night finishing The Secret History because I couldn't put it down. <gasps> yes. It was so ah. good. <laughs> so I believe you. I'm so excited. <laughs> needless to say, that was a five-star read. Anything that can get me to abandon my sleep is... <laughs> A five-star read, most likely. At least a 4.75. In this case, it's a five. Excellent. Everything I said last week still stands. It's It had that kind of Brett Easton Ellis style writing of really highlighting the privilege elements, but in a way that was humorous. The intrigue factor throughout this entire book was incredible. Just absolutely phenomenal. It opens with, and this isn't a spoiler because it literally opens with it, it opens with a line that is essentially saying that the narrator has been involved with a group of other people with the murder of someone that they're framing as an accident. That's the opener. And then it goes back and the entire way through, you're trying to figure out the motive of like why they bothered to kill this guy, how it's going to end up there, what's happening... And so you already know who did it, but you don't know why. And the idea of a book starting with knowing who the murderer is just is such a wonderful twist on the mystery genre and seeing everything from the murderer's side, essentially. Like, it's just so good. Can highly recommend. Can can so highly recommend. Nina's looking at me with a look of just pure jealousy right now, everyone. Like the, (laughs) the, it's almost contempt in Nina's face right now. Anyway. (laughs) But positive contempt. I'm just really excited for you. I'm very (laughs) genuinely excited for you. Tell me more. There's so many amazing themes related to like friendship, morality, guilt, like the human psyche. There's actually less about the academia side of things than the early chapters had indicated. So that's the one thing that I mentioned last week that kind of didn't come back as much as I thought it would. The like elitism within and the like privilege stuff within the friendship group definitely remained. And that kind of is linked with how they met within that academic group. But 
it didn't remain as much of a theme throughout as I thought it was going to. That being said, academia and the criticism of academia was a was it was more of a background theme. I wouldn't say it was like a main theme, which was a bit of a surprise considering that people kind of refer to this book as like the the origin of dark academia. Nevertheless, it was there. Other themes were around like identity, power, death. There were like duality elements because there were multiple pairs of twins and like it wasn't stuff that was in the foreground but it was stuff that was like the fact that they were twins wasn't part of a a plot like it wasn't some kind of cheesy oh mistaken identity kind of twins thing it was like a very very background symbolism kind of thing. Basically it was the kind of book that even though I finished it at you know 1.32 in the morning I decided to have a conversation with ChatGPT about it. <laughs> because... No way. Yes, wait. wait. Please elaborate. Because I was like, I loved this so much and I'm not done experiencing it for the night. I need to talk to someone about it. I wonder if ChatGPT <laughs> can talk about this book. So for context, my housemate has been really into ChatGPT lately. <laughs> Who hasn't? I feel like I can't escape ChatGPT. He's just been talking to it about all sorts of things, but I've been using it as a tool. I've been seeing how good it is at recommending books based on the criteria I give it and all kind of stuff. But basically I was asking it about like what symbolism it might be using and like what themes it's got, like what's with certain elements of the story that I won't spoil here, obviously. But like I, I literally said like what's with insert element in the secret history and it gave me really interesting insight and I was like oh this is amazing it's really? helping me appreciate the book on a whole other level that you know oh, I may not wow. have with, without basically so it's it's kind of similar to what I did with when I finished reading Paradise earlier this year by Abdurazak Gorna my response to that book was I enjoyed this and I kind of want to learn more about it and so I looked it up on Google and found like a lecture by someone and, and watched the whole lecture. But with this instead, because I'd been getting into ChatGPT lately, I was like, I don't really want to, it's, you know, 2am, I don't really want to watch a whole like lecture someone's or YouTube video someone's made about this. I wonder if ChatGPT can just give me some dot points about like extra <laughs> stuff I might have missed <laughs> or symbolism or whatever. And they did. And I was like, well, that's cool. Wow. <laughs> So, you know, bonus tip for people who are looking for brief follow-ups if they really enjoy a book and they're looking for a little more as like a little taster, like I was, ask ChatGPT. They might know, unless it's a recent publish, because, you know, the, the free version of ChatGPT only has information up to September 2021. Yeah, that was fun, especially for a book like this, because it's you know published in 1992. It's very, very popular and it's got a lot of layers and a lot of discussion about it online. So it had a lot of information. So I asked it a bunch of questions and I won't get into what I asked it because it's all quite detailed stuff and it would be very much reliant on spoilers. <laughs> but I asked it a few things that I was like, I think I know why they did this, but I'm just going to ask ChatGPT to see if I'm on the right track. And like, it gave me all these like really detailed answers. I was like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> wow, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Most chat GBT conversations I've had lately are like, how is this thing going to ruin the industry I'm going into? Mm. You know, or things like that. It's so useful and as a book buddy a... tool. I've been using it yeah. to like, uh, I've been asking it like, what book would you recommend for someone who like, who Pride and Prejudice is their favorite book? Or like, yesterday was like National Mermaid Day. And I was thinking like, you know what I haven't read many of is mermaid books. 
And so I was asking, like, what mermaid books would you recommend to my taste? For reference, here's a list of my favourite authors right now. And then it just came to me with, like, a list of five books and why I might like them based on the author's... And, like, it doesn't just list books, it gives you, like, reasons why based on the books or authors you gave it. And it's, it's so cool <laughs> as, like, a book companion tool, as, like, a book club companion tool. I just realized tool. how that's actually kind of going to take over our job, too. <laughs> Not necessarily, because but our it's, job... it's very we're, cool. Because we're having this as, like, a companion, you know, comparing human different opinions, whereas this is just providing right, extra information. That's true. It doesn't have opinions, it's just... Right. giving extra information i'm just imagining people who go to podcasts i mean including myself who go to podcasts for book recommendations oh right you know? okay but i i definitely think there's obviously a human element that we're contributing that is not going to be eclipsed yeah. by chat gbt yeah i guess i just don't go to podcasts for recommendations i go to them for like the banter generally so mm. i wasn't thinking about that yeah but anyway i'm not here to rant about chat so GPT. i'm here to rant about the secret history it was so good and i can't wait for you to read it so that we can have a book talk about it because it's going to be a great book talk <laughs> <laughs> i can't talk anymore about it because it's one of those books that's steeped in mystery and i think yeah, i said most wanna... of what i needed to say in like the like the writing style is brilliant the intrigue is fantastic the characters are quite in depth i think the one one thing I did have a problem with in terms of characters was the female characters have zero depth at all, hmm. which is interesting from a female writer. I don't know if the Goldfinch is at all similar to that. Now that I think about it, it absolutely is. Interesting. That's really interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, the, the female characters are like total stereotypes and there's only like a couple of them compared to the male cast. It, it's exactly the same in this one. Mm. We've basically got like a couple of female characters and they're there as accessories, essentially. Yeah. Well, so, I wonder if that's like an intentional commentary, though. I don't know. I don't mm. know. I guess. OK, I have in two this, questions. In this, the in this case, it could be because of the whole like it's an elitist academic mini club. So essentially the premise of, of this entire book is that the mini group that the narrator finds himself in is it's a classics class that's like really selective. It's essentially a Greek language class, but it's taught by a classics professor and he makes all his students drop all their other classes and start taking only classics classes with him. Hmm. And it's super selective, like there's only five or six. Uh, he usually only takes five, but he makes an exception in this case. And so there's only six in the class and only one of them is a woman in this particular class and so that makes sense in terms of the kind of elitism and in this particular case it makes even more sense because she is the twin of one of the other ones so she's only in it because <laughs> she's she's actually the twin of one of the other classmates so like it makes sense in that way but also all of the female side characters don't have any depth either and of the six people in the group she is easily the one with the least character at all. It's very interesting. I would say in the Goldfinch, there are two, maybe arguably like three or so predominant women in the book. One is the trope of a like an idealized love interest, like mm. someone he sees as a boy as like perfect and not like other girls. Yeah, you know? that's and essentially then, her character. See, the thing is, though, I do think, and the other one I'm thinking of as the main character is his mom. I do think that even though they are stereotypes in the context of the story, I do feel like there's a statement being made about mm. how a young man 
perceives women. And I think it's very similar to like a book like Paper Towns, you know, where a lot of people don't understand about that book. It's like, oh, Margot's just this, you know, manic pixie dream girl and stuff like that. And I'm like, actually, it's not about who Margot is. It's about how this young man is learning to overcome his instinct to idealize young women and see them as manic pixie dream girls. And it's about that perspective. And it's similar in The Goldfinch because it's also like, you know, a young man coming of age and stuff. And there are like glimmers in like how those characters develop and they're like the arc of their story that shows that they're not who he thought they were originally or that they have Mm. motives outside of him you know yeah so it sort of gives them some agency but it is definitely rooted in the fact that it's told from this boy's perspective the entire time and you only know them through his perception yes and i think we've got the same situation going on here the narrator's a man and he is very much the voice of the entire thing everything is being seen very much through his perspective which is part of the charm of the entire story is that you're only ever getting his perspective which is how the mystery is able to remain a mystery because he is the new outsider to the group he's still discovering things as he goes along that's how we're discovering Mm. things as we go along so it does make sense putting it in that way interesting yeah I do wonder still about, like you said, with with the way that John Green does it in Paper Towns, there's the realisation that she is a separate human person, whereas in this book, I'm not going to say too much, but it, it does seem like this main female character... While she does become very like she's she's in fact she's constantly very much separate from him. She's very much like the unattainable. Mm-hmm. She seems to always be attached to another male figure in one way or another. She's not ever her own person. So interesting. I don't know if I would compare the writing of those again. It does play into i'm trying i'm choosing my words very carefully it does play into the storyline though so it could be intentional Mm -hmm. and there are other characters who the side characters who definitely have stronger self-will they're stereotypes but they have stronger self-will they're drunk party girls but they they definitely have their own mind (laughs) so you know i guess you know she has written a variety of female characters in a way it's just that they're all a little two-dimensional but that's when you're spending so much time putting detail into the main characters i I do understand why (laughs) she may have had to not three-dimensionalize the other characters especially when the again the entire thing is written from his perspective and he's only seeing these girls in brief glimpses and the brief glimpses he's seeing are from his perspective as this girl's the one that gets me the drugs <laughs> sometimes you know <laughs> that kind of thing so yeah i do i do see what you're saying it only bothered me from the lens of like i just kind of wish there'd like had been something more for her just on a human level but i do also understand that for the point of the story it probably needed to be that way yeah which is why I, this is still a five-star book also trying to remember that this is pub- this was published in the early 90s is the other thing. Like, this is published in 1992. True. That, that was a different time. Man, like, it was a very different time. I didn't realize there was such a gap between the two books because I'm pretty sure The Goldfinch was published in the 2010s. Right. That's interesting, though. Mm. So, okay, I have a follow-up question to your review. Mm. When will you be reading The Goldfinch? It's definitely, look, it's been on my TBR ever since we've, like, our first episode, probably, because you recommended it highly (laughs) when we first spoke as one of your favourite books. So, I'm sure it'll come up, it'll probably fit a prompt for something at some point. (laughs) Perfect. 
Yeah. Perfect. It'll, That's all I need to hear. Yeah. It's definitely on my TBR. It will, it will happen. I, do, I don't I have a totally, for it because it's very long. <laughs> it is very, first of all, it's very long. And second of all, I also feel, I don't know if this is how you're feeling, but I remember feeling after reading The Goldfinch, like, even though I wanted more of her writing, I almost needed some air and you need to process mm. a little bit. You know, I wasn't ready to jump into the next one, especially because she only has, I think, three books. So Something like that. Know. Anyway, yeah. I'll get to the secret history and you'll get to the goldfinch. We'll yes. get there eventually. Yes. The secret history is, it's a surprisingly quick read. I mean, I did listen to it, which helps a lot, but it's so intriguing that, I mean, I, I sacrificed my sleep, Nina. I sacrificed my sleep yeah. schedule for this book. You have no idea how much that means it. to me. I do not sacrifice my sleep for just any book. <laughs> I slack, I'd sacrifice my sleep for way too much. It's really ridiculous. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so that's the one book I finished this week. Not for lack of trying. I tried really hard to finish another book. We'll get there later. But what have you read this week? So I completed one book. It was an audiobook, And mm-hmm. it was called I Have Some Questions for You. By oh, Re- great. By Rebecca Mackay. Yes. So I have an exciting review and exciting news to go along with it. Excellent. Uh, First, I'll get into the review. Mm -hmm. I like this book a lot. I rated it four stars out of five. And yeah, it was was a solid read. It was a mystery, but it didn't follow too much of a formula. Mm -hmm. And it had enough of a like unique perspective, a unique twist that I thought it did something different. You know, it sort of Mm -hmm. broke out of those fluffy mystery qualities that I had been feeling with mysteries previously this year. I'll read cap the summary a little bit because I know it's a new book and in a while I don't remember if I even talked about it on a previous episode but it's about a woman who studied at a boarding school in high school she grew up to become an investigative journalist she does like a true crime podcast and she was offered an opportunity to teach a true crime journalism class at the high school she went to so she goes back to that high school and she's teaching this class and sort of in the background partially what motivated her to take this opportunity was because in her senior year her previous roommate was murdered and the case was closed but unresolved in the minds of the the public because mm-hmm. there was a lot of controversy over the person who was convicted you said so she you goes, said last week it was set in vermont right it's actually new hampshire Ah, okay. Because last yes. last week you said it was Vermont, and I didn't realize until I was editing. But the secret history is set in Vermont, so I was oh, like, really? <laughs> I was like, whoa! But actually, if it's set in New Hampshire, that's less of a whoa. But anyway, it's, it's set in <laughs> well, uh, it's set in the Hamptons. <laughs> it's it's set in a general the Northeast, you know, yeah. um, similar vibe. a very boarding school academic heavy location. Cold. Anyway, so yes, cold <laughs> as well. Also beautiful, but yeah. regardless, <laughs> tangent. So main themes of this book are not only like true crime and investigation and mystery, but also it has a lot to do with. Uh, violence against women and Mm. how those stories are addressed, how the judicial system addresses them and how the public like sensationalizes these stories. Mm. And because there's a lot of like online discourse on Reddit and stuff about like Mm. different reasons why she could have died this way or could have died that way or finding evidence dragging the family through this process years and years later. But in the class that this woman is teaching, one of the students t- decides to take on this story because she feels strongly that the convicted person was wrongfully convicted. Mm-hmm. And part of that conversation is having to do with race because the person who was convicted was black mm-hmm. and there wasn't a lot of strong evidence aside from 
some like students who gave like personal anecdotes for why he might be a shady character, but it was pretty racially coded, especially also class coded given the circumstances of it being like a private boarding school and stuff. And so it's about how the students of the present day are unraveling the story along with this teacher who was present during the murder. Mm. And it was absolutely fascinating. Like I said, it takes a sort of classic mystery setting and twists it a little bit by adding these more complicated elements of like the Me Too movement and also of, because this had to do with, there was also like a, a sexual element to this crime and as well as the incarceration of African-American people in America. Mm. And it was a very like complex conversation going on and I thought it was done pretty well. It wasn't something that broke that four-star barrier for me, but that's all right. I highly enjoyed it and would definitely recommend it. It makes a lot of sense why this has been one of the books that has gained more popularity than others in the new release <laughs> world right now, I think. At least from what I've noticed, like in bookstores. And it's funny because I, I don't think I would have picked this one up on my own out of the books that I had like done my research on to find a new release. It wasn't mm. the one that popped out to me, but because it was coming on the end of the month and I saw that there were multiple advertisements in like bookstore windows or online or from my library, this book was coming up a lot. I decided to hop on the train and I'm so glad I did because I had the opportunity to go to an event yesterday mm. where the author was speaking with a radio host in person at the library about the book and I got to go, I got to ask a question. Oh, it was no really way. cool. It was... Yeah, so it, I got to learn so much more about her process and where the ideas came from, her relationship to the book and the story and stuff. It was really cool. So for anyone who is in the Northeast and may or may not listen to all of it on WNYC, a pretty, I would say, pretty popular radio station out here. <laughs> it's like our, it's our national radio, but the New York sector, all of it with Allison Stewart. <laughs> I, it's just funny because I never thought I would actually see her in person because I hear her voice on the radio a lot, but then I had this weird random random reason to see her in person. It was pretty cool. So the author, Rebecca, was a really interesting speaker and talked a lot about her own personal experiences in boarding school and how those like played into her desire to write a story about someone returning to that space and mm. finding a lot of sort of baggage there. Mm. It also touched on the way that identity politics and the Me Too movement have evolved since the 90s mm. and how things that seem to maybe insignificant at that time in retrospect seem a lot more significant mm -hmm. or seem like pieces of a puzzle that needs to be completed you know mm. so it had so many interesting conversations going on the characters were interesting the setting was interesting a lot of it actually takes place in a hotel in the town she's like a sequestered witness on the retrial process mm. she's like in this hotel sort of trapped and <laughs> talking running into all of her old high school not necessarily friends but like acquaintances because she was kind of like she wasn't super social in high school she was kind of standoffish and mm. she's like addressing a lot of her own personal trauma from high school it's, mm. it's all very very fascinating and I would say, like, without obviously getting too much into the mystery itself, I would say that the way that this story mixes enough intrigue to, you know, make a, a fiction story like this really grab the reader. I mean, I think a lot of true crime is intriguing enough to grab readers on its own without a fiction element. And this isn't like based on a real story or anything, but mm. there was enough of a fiction element that enticed me 
But also, there was a lot of real research that went into this book, and Rebecca was talking about the process of trying to understand the specifics of the New Hampshire judiciary system mm. and how specifically in that location she chose to put this school because a school, a private school that brings in revenue like this in such a tiny state has a lot of power over yeah. the government. They mm. can put a lot of pressure because their GDP uh, in New Hampshire is probably equivalent about to the income of this school. Mm. And so it was, it's all about these really complicated dynamics and how the best intentions can be present, but doesn't always result in a fair and just system. Mm. So I really enjoyed this. I'm so glad I took part in that book talk yesterday. And I just feel like I've fulfilled my goal of participating in the new releases of 2023 to the 10th degree. So I'm really excited about that. That was a lot of fun. And I'm definitely interested in doing something like that again, finding more book events to go to and participating in like book clubs. I mean, I didn't really interact with anyone else from the crowd Mm -hmm. in the panel, but it was cool to hear other people's questions and to get to ask questions of my own to the author directly. And I think just in general, whether it's writing or it's art, I always find that if I'm talking to the creator directly, I develop so much more sympathy and understanding for the story and where it comes from. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was an overall 10 out of 10 experience and it was a four to five book. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Well, that sounds like a really good book. I'm really interested in that, actually. I've uh, just added that to my TBR. Wonderful. And uh, I'm really glad that you've broken your unfortunate streak of um, <laughs> very meh audio mysteries. So that's good news. So what are you currently reading? So <laughs> I am I'm still currently reading Reading the World, How I Read a Book from Every Country by Anne Morgan. Here's the thing. It's very, very interesting. And I'm enjoying it, but it's surprisingly dense. It has been ever since I finished The Secret History over a week ago now, because, you know, we've actually taken more than a week between recording. It's been over a week since I finished The Secret History. This book has been my number one priority to the point where I've actually neglected my other currently reading, which is Good Wives, even though I'm supposed to be doing daily reading for that. I really wanted to get this book finished so badly. I wanted to finish this book before we recorded this episode. And somehow, despite that, I'm still only 70% of the way through. (sighs) It's been a week, Nina. How? 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 It's, I'm enjoying it. So it's not because I'm not enjoying it. It's just so dense. You know what I think it is? It's because it's, Interesting enough that I'm digesting every sentence, and it's written kind of like a thesis. So there's a lot of quoting of other people. There's a lot of like it's 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 kind of essay format in a lot of ways, and like it's very very much a nonfiction. Again, like I've said it before, I really do prefer to listen to these kinds of nonfictions than to read them. I do keep falling asleep while reading it. That is a problem that's happening. I've tried so hard <laughs> to finish this before we recorded today and I'm still 70% of the way through there's two more days left of March and I really really hope I can squeeze the final 30% of the way normally with literally any other book if I were if I only had 30% left I'd be like yeah absolutely I'll smash this but at the rate I've been reading it I'm I'm (laughs) stressed man I'm stressed I've only got one and a half actually I've got like one and a half days of March left for me I'm stressed man I don't know if I'll manage it. Like, I'm less stressed it's about not the, the end of the world. I'm less stressed about the half a book of good wives that I have left, because I know I'll be able to smash that out. 
<laughs> than I am about the last 30% of this book. I'm gonna, like, I know myself well enough that I'll probably be able to do it because I'm determined. But you also don't have to. It's only yes, I rules do. that you're creating. I do, though. <laughs> no, you don't. I do. Well, anyway, people who check the Imja album for the book cover pictures that I create of my monthly reads, if you see a book cover creation of Reading the World, that means I finished it by the end of March. So <laughs> you'll be able to know. I have a feeling if you've committed to the idea that you have to finish it before the end of the month, you absolutely will. But I also think if you, for any reason, decide that it's okay not to, it completely is. <laughs> and I say that as, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, you know, the breaking is, down the, the boundaries of these rules. The thing is, and, and we'll get to it when we get to our challenge breakdown, I have so many books I need to read in April that I, I really, really want to finish this by March is the other thing. Okay. I want this you out can of do the it. way. You can totally do it. Don't even stress it. It's like, my, it's like my number one priority. Well, I'm anxiously awaiting this review, so... Yeah. It's really good You'll so far, though, and I've that. highlighted a bunch of stuff, so when we do come back, I'm going to have a bunch of stuff to talk about. The only critique I have so far is that last night I discovered the very unfortunate thing of, like, so automatically it's already going to have to be losing a quarter star for this because I'm petty like that. It's referred to Sydney very casually as the Australian capital, and in an, such a very well-researched book, as an Australian, that's <laughs> a no-no, and as a Melbourneian, I'm borderline offended. <laughs> for context for non-Australians, our capital city is a city called Canberra. It's very likely that anyone outside of Australia has never heard of this city. There's not <laughs> actually that many people living in it. It's mostly where our, like, parliament and some higher-up army people live. That city was purpose-built because Sydney and Melbourne are the two highest-populated cities in Australia. We have somewhat of a rivalry going. Mostly <laughs> Melburnians really hate the people in Sydney. Sydney cares less about us than we care about them, to be completely honest. <laughs> because they're too busy being self-involved to care about us. That's, sorry, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't help getting that drive in. Sorry, Sydney listeners. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I don't mean it. I do. And I don't. It's fine. I, <laughs> I'm a born and bred Melbourneian. It's, it's in, I, I can't not leave a Sydney insult on the table. Anyway, Canberra was purpose-built to be a city that's like between Melbourne and Sydney. It's in the same state as Sydney, so it's closer to them. But like, it's a, it's a separate city that was built to be the capital because no one wanted to pick either Sydney or Melbourne to be Australia's capital. So <laughs> the fact that someone's referred to Sydney casually as Australia's capital as a Melbourneian is highly offensive. <laughs> <laughs> We've graduated from borderline to highly offended. Fair. Honestly, fair. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but apart from that, it seems like a very well-researched book. <laughs> Which is the other way, which, like, she probably, it was such a casual comment, so she probably, like, was just, didn't even think about it, which is why right. I'm so upset. It's just so <laughs> in the her... psyche, it's so in the psyche of the world that Sydney is Australia's main city that she didn't even think to look it up, and that's why it's insulting mm. to me. Yep. Sidetrack aside, the book's actually very interesting and seems quite well-researched overall, I have highlighted a bunch of things and I'm looking forward to sharing them when we next record. But uh, yeah, that one that one thing was the most recent thing I read last night. And so it's 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 fresh in my mind this morning, unfortunately, when I record this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I absolutely look forward to hearing all about it. 
Cool. Yeah, apart from that, the only other thing I'm currently reading kind of is Good Wives, uh, although I've fallen off the March with the March Sisters actual pattern. Oh, update on that, by the way. Audrey just announced on the March with the March Sisters Discord that they're going to be doing another read-along thing next month with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein next month. Hmm. I'm thinking I might do that because apparently I don't already have enough books to read next month, which I definitely (laughs) do, but whatever. Very cool. What are you currently reading? Well, I had another Deer in the Headlights week where I just could not pick a book. Are you still reading Carry On? I started with Carry On, but I didn't get very far into it. Not because I wasn't enjoying it, but I think for... I don't know. I was enjoying it, but there were other things that were sort of taking up my attention. I think the first thing was starting the Rebecca Mackay book that I just talked about. Secondly, I decided to pick up I'll Give You the Sun because I was kind of riding the wave of fangirl and enjoying the sort of like contemporary YA atmosphere. And I wanted to get back into another book like that. Mm -hmm. And I'll Give You the Sun had a very, has a very similar like sunny feeling. And I had intended to read it for a monthly challenge so it's been on my radar anyway but then I put that one sort of down I mean okay it's still like in my bag and I'm still carrying it from place to place but it isn't the first book I'm reaching for the one I sort of picked up instead of that one which I'm only like five pages into but it was a very exciting moment so I feel like it's worth mentioning Mm -hmm. I decided to pick up Shatter Me by Tatamafi, which oh, is yeah. an old reread of, of oh, yes. one of my the, favorites. The, uh, the book that you were caught hugging? Yes, the book I was the caught author. hugging. <laughs> yes. The story that, that you one. told that would a couple be the of one. weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> That would be the one. It's a YA dystopian novel about a girl who has a strange power where anyone who touches her feels intense pain Mm -hmm. and can die. And so she like has never really had intimate contact. And so she's isolated in this facility. It's the whole situation. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get too much into that book because I haven't gotten very far into it, even though I already know what it's like about gonna be and it it would be really exciting to go on with this series because I think she's released like three more books in this world I don't think it's the same like series because it's a trilogy but I think at least three more in the world of other generations or something have been released and I do want to catch up on those and Mm. I have a friend who's been waiting on me to get on those for some time so I definitely owe her that but also I was just having I think like a, a funny night I had a warm and fuzzy day and I wanted a little bit of like nostalgic romance and I picked that up late at night one night and I was very much enjoying it. I definitely want to keep reading it. I'm not sure if it's going to take the place of I'll Give You the Sun or not. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that one. So, okay, I'll Give You the Sun. That one's going well. I'm probably like 50 pages into that, maybe a little bit more. And I'm actually doing a combo audio and physical reading experience with that because I found that the writing is... While I love it, Jenny Nelson's writing is very distinctive. Something that I'm realizing about her writing is that the sort of internal dialogue of the characters has a lot of personality and can be difficult to read because it resembles more the way someone would speak than the way Mm. someone would write. And I think you need like the rhythm of someone saying the words to kind of Mm. make it make a little bit more sense, you know, because they have a lot of like quirky sort of isms, you Mm. know, like their family's inside jokes and you can very clearly get the sense of their family through the way that they speak. And it can be a little bit difficult to read, I Mm. think. Um, Not like impossible, 
I was just thinking that I might enjoy the reading experience more if I were mm-hmm. listening to it. So I decided to pair the audiobook with it. Mm-hmm. And it's made for a great commute book on the train. And I'm hoping to maybe get some time when I'm away next week. I'm going to visit my grandmother in California Mm. that I'll just be able to like sit at home and read and listen to the audiobook because, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to like have both going at the same time in a situation like commuting where I'm like walking and stuff like that. Yeah. And it'll be nice and nice and theme appropriate in the sun and California and stuff. Absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. And so. So I'm, and it actually takes place in California. So many reasons to read there. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. But all in all, I'm enjoying it and I want to give it a little bit more of its own like time and space. So I'm sort of still reading it, but not like putting pressure on myself. The other book that I started other than Shatter Me is Julius Caesar. So I got back on my Shakespeare train um, (laughs) and I've been really enjoying it actually. Partially just because I love ancient Italian history, mm-hmm. Roman history, and I've been I took a class recently on Florentine history. Mm-hmm. And of course, I think living in Italy makes those things a lot more like prevalent in my life, yeah. but I I love ancient studies, I guess is the word for mm-hmm. it. And this has been fun because not only does it have that element, but it also has so many references that I'm picking up on. Like of course I knew like I expected the Fall of Our Stars reference, and that was exciting to come across. But just like other ones, even thinking about the way that the Hunger Games references ancient Rome a lot. And I don't know if it's specifically Shakespeare or not, but it kind of feels like there are bits and pieces that she she had this play in mind when she was writing the Hunger Games. So that just like is adding a layer of depth that I hadn't like thought about previously to Mm -hmm. a series I already love and a lot of things like that. So I'm not too far into it. You know, I I read a few minutes, I go back, re-listen, you know, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm doing the audiobook along with the, the physical book as well. But... Yeah, no, this, that's going really well. And I'm glad I happened to get back into it before the end of the month. I awesome. I don't know if I'll finish it before the end of the month, but I'm glad that, uh, you know, I had a natural reason, a natural inclination to get back on that train. It's almost that's making awesome. me like want to pick up more old lit. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Great. So it's a lot of young adults and classics at the same time. It's a, <laughs> it's Nina living her best life right now. Um, (laughs) it's my particular brand of wacky reading (laughs) yep loving it loving it so now we are moving into our haul section because i believe we actually both have hauls for once which is very rare i'll start i received some book mail some very exciting book mail because it was free I entered a Storygraph giveaway a month or two ago. Well, actually, I enter a lot of Storygraph giveaways, (laughs) but I actually won one, which I'm ecstatic about. So I won a Storygraph giveaway from HarperCollins Australia. So I guess thank you to them. Um, (laughs) They don't know I have a podcast or anything, so it's not as if they picked me for that reason, but I'll shout them out anyway. The book is called A Country of Eternal Light by Paul Delgarno. He's an Australian author. The blurb I'll just read out. So, Margaret Bryce, deceased mother of twins, has been having a hard time since dying in 2014. So, you know me. Afterlife story? Hell yeah. (laughs) These days, she spends time with her daughters, Eva in Madrid and Rachel and her family in Melbourne, and her estranged husband, Henry, in Aberdeen. 
Mostly she enjoys the experience of revisiting the past, but she's tiring of the seemingly random events to which she repeatedly bears witness. There must be something more to life, she thinks. And death. Spanning more than 75 years, from 1945 to 2021, a country of eternal light follows Margaret as she flits from wartime Germany to Thatcher's Britain to modern-day Scotland, Australia and Spain, ruminating on everything from the Piper Alpha oil rig disaster and Australia's Black Summer bushfires to Mary Queen of Scots beheading, the death of Princess Diana and in vitro fertilisation. But why is facing up to what's happened in one's past as hard as, if not harder than, blocking it out completely? A poignant, utterly original and bitingly funny novel about complicated grief and how we remain wanted by our loved ones, dead or alive. Mm. I'm so happy that I won that one. <laughs> I'm so happy. That sounds great. After reading The Seven Moons of Molly Almeida, I am so happy that like there's more of these like afterlife stories popping up right now. So keen, to be completely honest. So... The fact that an Australian author's written one and it includes the Black Summer bushfires, which were very, you know, very recent history. Those happened in 2009. It, yeah, it's, I'm excited. Wonderful. No, that sounds like a great also, read. look at the pretty and cover. I was just about to say the colors are beautiful <laughs> on that. Yeah. I love that. And it's a nice floppy paperback too. Nice, very cool. Good, good floppy. I should really apply for more of those. It's so easy. It's like, why not? It's you really know? easy. <laughs> I just do it. I do it routinely. Like just every now and again, I'll check. Like, have there been any new ones? <laughs> and there's so many available that. for Americans too. There's so many more available for you. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, you know, I am restricting myself from buying books. I right, went sorry. I keep on forgetting a little bookstore. About you have uh, <laughs> you have space. You have more space restrictions than I'm putting on myself. <laughs> yes. No. Definitely. And I mean, it's not so much space. It's more that I want to finish the year with forty books. So the more books I buy, mm. the more books I have to read, which is not a bad thing, but also more complicated. But uh, the thing is, they giveaways, and you're you're not that likely to win them. It's true. It's very true. So anyway, the book that I bought recently, I went on a book hop to a few local bookstores. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I bought this book at one of my favorite bookstores called Alabaster. Mm -hmm. And it's called, it's 100 Years of Solitude. I was gonna say, it's oh. called, like, it's a book that do, people don't know. But uh, it's a classic. And it's by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, if you don't know. And it is, you know, I love magical realism. And mm -hmm. this is one of the founders of the genre. Mm -hmm. So it's very strange that I haven't actually read it yet. And I saw this cover, which was just stunning. It's Ooh. this beautiful 1970s Avon published version. I've actually seen other Avon copies with the same style. I think they published a bunch of classics with this style, mm. but I just happened to see this one and I love it. It's sort of like pointillist almost. Mm. I don't know if you can tell over the camera, but it's very beautiful. And I love a 1970s edition, something about that. And they also have, I don't know what these are called. Do you know what it's called when they put little decorative icons above the chapter titles? I'm sure there's a name, um, but I don't know it. I but don't. these are really cute. I don't, no. All I know about this book is that it's like intergenerational story that weaves in magical realism over, I'm assuming, an extended period of time. I'm really just saying that because it's called 100 Years of Solitude. Mm. But um, with most classics, I prefer to just go in blind because there's already so much of a reputation association, mm. you know, based on that, the fact that it's just so popular that I'd rather go in blind and have a more like pure experience of it. So I'm not going to do like any research into synopses but yeah that was my grab for the week cool so i just looked it up it doesn't look like there's a generally recognized name some people call it like just 
generally embellished, just general embellishments or ornamentation. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Anyway, no so we are doing our March review a little early this month. We normally do this after the month is over. However, I need to take a bit of a break for the next two weeks. And as it turns out, Nina also is going to be going away. So it just kind of worked out. So we're doing it on uh, Nina's Nina's 29th, my 30th of March. So not going to lie, that makes me a little anxious because I don't know if uh, I can if I can say whether I've met one of my challenges or not and that makes me anxious but you know we do what we can do and that's fine <laughs> <laughs> it's okay my perfect Emma. my perfect record Nina my perfect record <laughs> <laughs> hey it's not the end of the month it's just our it's just our talking about it you can always mention any updates that you have that's true. Next time. I mean, you'll 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 tell us what you've read, so That's true. That's if true. If you have anything to settle then. And and the Indra album will reveal all anyway. So Wonderful. Yeah. Sorry, my, my Hermione Granger is leaking. <laughs> well, to be honest, my Ravenclaw is leaking. So <laughs> anyway, so shall we? The first one, as always, we will discuss is the buzzword challenge because that is the one that we're both doing. So for March, the word that we had to have in our title was the word secret. So we had both pledged to read the secret history. Obviously, one of us did that. (laughs) And it was me. Yeah, I didn't. I'm not ready. I have a lot of other books I'm reading, but that's okay. I Okay, here's the thing. To redeem myself, I did order the, um, what's that book called? The Very Secret Society of Irregular Secret. Witches? Yes! Yay! I did order the Very Secret Society okay, of Irregular Witches from my library. You're forgiven. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was hoping I could just read it, but it had a wait list. But the wait ah. list is only like two weeks, so I should be okay. able to read it very soon. So cool. definitely by the time we meet next, I'll have read it. Awesome. So, if that redeems me at all. Fantastic. Because uh, that was, as many people will probably remember, that was in my top three books from last year. So I really, really hope you enjoy it. Absolutely. All right. What's uh, our next challenge? Our next one, our April read for buzzwords is, so the word that we need to include is a word that is an emotion. So this one was a nice broad one. (laughs) I had lots and lots of options for this in my TBR. And so I actually, I'll explain this later, but I actually randomly chose from five different options that I had. I ended up with Love Stories by Trent Dalton is the one I'm going to be reading. It's an audiobook that I had already grabbed on Audible when it was their free book of the month that they had here a while back. That's the one I'm going to be reading next month. So what's yours? Well, mine, I was just reminded from my story graph, is one that actually works very well because what I had added at least is called An Emotion of Great Delight by Todd Moffey. It's one of her newer books that isn't in the Shatter Me series, but it is one of her, like, it's, I think it's a contemporary YA and I'm like now reading Shatter Me, maybe question mark? I think so. So if I do, I have a feeling I'm going to go on a Tatamafi binge mm-hmm. and this will definitely make it into the list. So nice. that's very exciting. I didn't even plan that when I picked up Shatter Me. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. That worked out well. Mm-hmm. So next challenge for you 
is the new release challenge. So, as I talked about earlier, I read I Have Some Questions for You by mm-hmm. Rebecca Mackay. That checks off. It was a February new release that I read in March. Yay. So, that was very exciting. For the March new release that I'll be reading in April, I have so many options on my challenge that it added to Storygraph. Last month, I kept mentioning different books that I could be reading for this challenge. And I'm still tied on which one to choose from mm-hmm. because there's some that maybe sound more interesting to me, but I think I'm going to go with the one that I've seen the most advertising for. So it's going to be Burnham Wood by Eleanor Catton. Mm-hmm. She wrote The Luminaries, which was really popular a while back. I think that came out in like 2016. Okay. I never read it. I have a copy of it. I don't even remember exactly what it's about. I think it's like a fantasy. I think it's adult. I don't think it's YA, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, it's like a historical literary mystery maybe not fantasy. (laughs) It might not be fantasy at all. But anyway, that was a really popular title a while ago. Oh, and it came out in 2013. I'm correcting myself. (laughs) And this is her new release, and so a lot of people have been excited for it. I've seen it in a lot of bookstore windows. Mm -hmm. I don't know about any book events surrounding it, but I'm sure I can find one, honestly, because her other book did so well. (laughs) So I think that's the one I'm going to go for. It is like 432 pages, so it's not that long, but it's also not a quick read. Mm. We'll see. It's a lot shorter than Luminaries. Luminaries is like 800 pages, so <laughs> I was worried this one would be a lot longer. Okay. But gladly it's not. And the basic synopsis of Burnham Wood is that it's about a girl who founded a guerrilla gardening group, which is mm. kind of exciting because we just read that book yeah, yeah. on guerrilla gardening. Let me just read the synopsis because I, I don't want to misrepresent the book just based on what I've been hearing, and it's so new that it's probably not like mm-hmm. all the accurate information that I should be giving. But the basic third premise says, A gripping psychological thriller from Eleanor Catton, the Booker Prize-winning author of The Luminaries, is Shakespearean in its wit, drama, and immersion of character, a brilliantly constructed consideration of intentions, actions, and consequences. It's an unflinching examination of the human impulse to ensure our own survival. Hmm. So that sounds great. That hits a lot of boxes for me, and I'm definitely excited to pick that one up. I'll have to request it in my library immediately. Mm-hmm. Great. Sounds good. What's your next challenge? My next one is the Gumption Club. The Gumption Club read for March was Hamnet, which I completed earlier this month and spoke a lot about, so won't go into it again. For April, the book is going to be a book that I, I think I saw it's on your want-to-read list, actually, so I think you're ready to be jealous again. It's called <laughs> A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. Ah, yes, yes. Which... I have already got as an audiobook and it's quite short. It's only going to be like four hours, so that's nice. It essentially seems to be a future where robots have gained self-awareness and laid down their tools and they've wandered into the wilderness never to be seen again and they've just kind of faded. Then one day a tea monk is upended by the arrival of a robot there to honour the old promise of checking in. And the robot cannot go back until the question of what do people need is answered. But the answer to that question depends on who you ask and how, so they're going to need to ask it a lot. And it sounds like it's going to be adorable (laughs) and or sad, I'm not sure, but it sounds like it's going to be adorable and I'm 
looking forward to it. So it sounds from what mi- I hear, it's minimally minimally. It sounds like it's going to be like a nice reflective read mm-hmm. with some adorable thrown in, <laughs> which sounds like my vibe. So I'm looking forward to that. Very exciting. Yeah. I'm so glad you're reading that. Mm. I, it'll motivate me to read it. Yeah. Perfect. Next challenge for you, Shakespeare. You have just picked Shakespeare. that up. Shakespeare. Yes. So uh, my goal originally for this month was to read two, and I didn't end up reading any, but I did pick up Julius Caesar, and I've been on a big kick about it lately, so I definitely think I'm going to finish that one. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to finish the second one before March ends, but I definitely think that next month in April I'll be back on the train. I'm gonna, you know, hedge my bets and aim for two again. Mm. So yeah, that's, I'm, I don't know, I might end up doing more because I am really enjoying it and I'm getting closer to the more like big name mm. plays. So that might bring on some momentum, mm-hmm. but yeah. Maybe just so I'm more likely to actually meet that goal next month. And based on your currently reads, it sounds like you've picked up a couple of things for your reread challenge as well. Yes. So we have Shatter Me, the trilogy, mm-hmm. as well as I'll Give You the Sun. Mm-hmm. If I read either of those, I will be absolutely satisfied with my reread challenge for that month. I mean, like I've said before, I'm not really doing this yeah. like by the month, but checking in with that, that would be very exciting for the mm-hmm. reread challenge. Cool. Okay, next one for me is the Reading Around the World Challenge. This is the one that I'm stressed about right now because I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish Reading the World by Anne Morgan in (laughs) the next day and a half. I really hope I can. Again, refer to Imdra album to see whether I managed it. Next month, we are reading a book from Canada. We're reading uh, a book from an Indigenous author. The book is Johnny Appleseed by Joshua Whitehead. Um, I've again already purchased the audiobook, which is actually narrated by the author, which is cool. And I might just read the blurb for this one. You're going to need a rock and a whole lot of medicine, is a mantra that Johnny Appleseed, a young two-spirit slash queer, repeats to himself in this vivid and utterly compelling novel. Off the reserve and trying to find ways to live and love in the big city, Johnny becomes a cyber sex worker who fetishizes himself in order to make a living. Self-ordained as an NDN glitter princess, Johnny has one week before he must return to the res and his former life to attend the funeral of his stepfather. The next seven days are like a fevered dream. Stories of love, trauma, sex, kinship, ambition, and the heartbreaking recollection of his beloved Kokum grandmother. Johnny's world is a series of breakages, appendages, and linkages, and as he goes through the motions of preparing to return home, he learns how to put together the pieces of his life. Johnny Appleseed is a unique, shattering vision of indigenous life full of grit, glitter, and dreams. So it sounds like it's going to be very interesting. Absolutely. That's super cool. I definitely haven't read anything by an indigenous Canadian author yet, and I'm excited to get on that challenge as well. Yeah, and I, I guess. And Two Spirit is probably the LGBT identity, I suppose, that I have the least familiarity with. So I'm really excited Mm. to read something i'm not sure if the author is two-spirit himself or whether they have researched the topic in depth but either way i'm really looking forward to reading a story from that perspective as well super cool yeah yeah absolutely Mm. i'm excited to hear how that goes have you made any i think i know the answer but have you made any progress on your read around the world (laughs) challenge i don't think i have if i have it was accidental and looking at my reads for the month i'm gonna hedge my bets and say no fair enough (laughs) i mean closest it comes is like one of the benji nates and benji nate is canadian 
but <laughs> it's not intentional. And I think that challenge is more of a, like, a back burner in case something else. Like, I, I, I need something to read, but honestly, that never happens. I never yeah. need something to read. I've always got something I want to read. Totally so fair. we'll yeah. see. The Moonies book club is the next one for me. March was The Girl Who Fell Beneath the Sea. I read that way back at the start of the month. That was very good. April, we're going to be reading When Women Were Dragons by Kelly Barnhill, which I know very little about, actually. <laughs> so I'm just going to have to read the synopsis again. Alex Green is a young girl in a world much like ours, except for its most seminal event, the mass dragoning of 1955, when hundreds of thousands of ordinary wives and mothers sprouted wings, scales, and talons, left a trail of fiery destruction in their path, and took to the skies. Was it their choice? What will become of those left behind? What did Alex's beloved Aunt Marla transform but her mother did not? Alex doesn't know. It's taboo to speak of. Forced into silence, Alex nevertheless must face the consequences of this astonishing event. A mother more protective than ever, an absentee father, the upsetting insistence that her aunt never even existed, and watching her beloved cousin B become dangerously obsessed with the forbidden. In this timely and timeless speculative novel, award-winning author Kelly Barnhill boldly explores rage, memory, and the tyranny of forced limitations. When Women Were Dragons exposes a world that wants to keep women small, their lives and their prospects, and examines what happens when they rise en masse and take up the space they deserve. Now, I love that. I Just the concept. It sounds interesting, but also because you so vividly described the plot of Damsel to me. Mm. I okay. I'm going yeah, into this tr triggering. Yes, I'm going into this book with that in mind. <laughs> no, don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'll try not to. This isn't the kind of book I would naturally gravitate towards and it's the first book of the books that have been chosen for the Moonies book club that I'm less than excited about from the description. Like it's not it's really not the kind of book I would gravitate towards. Like the description's kind of made my eyes glaze over a little, not gonna lie. But so far, most of the books that have been chosen for this book club have not let me down. So hopefully it'll be good. The other thing is due to what's happening in Aurelium next month, this is actually the April and May book. So I actually don't have to read this until May. Mm, okay. So that this one's going on the back burner. It's actually not being read next month. I just thought I'd mention it <laughs> for now. Potentially started awesome. in April on the incredibly off chance that I have time to, but extremely likely it'll be in May. Your final challenge, Charlie's Books. Didn't do any of those this month. That one's another back burner challenge. All good. Totally <laughs> fair. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> totally fair. All right. Final one for me is the Aurelium World, the adventure in Eldia. So for March, I had to fight a giant, which was to read a book over 500 pages. That was The Secret History, so that one's done. Now, for April, things get really exciting. And by exciting, I mean busy. April is the spring semester, the spring equinox semester of Aurelium Academy. This is one of the readathon months. April and August are the readathon months. Mm. So instead of one book for the adventure in Eldia, I'm reading five. Oh my gosh. So for spring, 
And this is just my for my calling, by the way. Some people who are doing different callings have like up to 12 or something. Like, like it's, it's depending wow. on what calling you're doing, it's different levels. It's really fun. <laughs> for people who are interested in Aurelium and, and the magical readathon and all this kind of stuff, how it works, I'll leave links to Adventure in Eldia as well as a uh, book roast posted relatively recently, a like beginner's guide to the magical readathon video. So I'll post that as well. And then I'll also post the most recent spring 2023 magical readathon video as well. So all three of those videos will be linked to in the show notes. I'm taking five classes for my calling. My calling is as a mind mender. My first class is in alchemy and this semester we're studying principles of transmutation and as part of that we need to read a book with a metal in the name and I managed to find one within the books I already own. I'm going to be reading The Silver Donkey by Sonia Hartnett. That is a children's novel so that'll be a nice quick read. It's a physical book that's been on my shelf for probably about 15 years at least so that'll be nice. You haven't read it yet? Nope. I have four Sonia Hartnett books on my shelf that my grandmother <laughs> gave to me because they were like bestsellers at the time. Just never got around to reading those. I have so many books, I just never got around to them. So I'll be reading that one. It has the word silver in it, so I'll be reading it. Next up, my next class will be Spells and Incantations. And for this semester, we're focusing on magic missiles. And for this, the missiles need to be really precise, right? So the book that we read has to have exactly a target range of 389 to 415 pages. So this one was a bit of a like shelf exploration kind of deal. I managed to find something in the audiobooks I already owned, again, from just like books that have been, that have come up as free monthly books on Audible in the past that had like the physical equivalent was exactly 400 pages from memory. For such a specific range, it is a pretty common length that, of exactly. books, so I feel like that's yes. a good yeah. balance. Yes, yes. She, did, she, she does like to keep that kind of stuff in mind. She doesn't want to make it impossible for people. <laughs> so the book I'm going with is The Lost Flowers of of Alice Hart by Holly Ringland, which is a fiction contemporary, which was the debut for this author. It was published in 2018. I know nothing about it, but it's got like average four-star rating on Storygraph, so hopefully it's decent. Then we have Psionics and Divination is the next class. The focus of that class for the semester is Cloud Study 101, so the book needs to have clouds on the cover or in the title. And I am going to be reading the graphic novel Let There Be Light for that one, because there's a woman sitting on a massive cloud for that, so that was a very convenient <laughs> graphic novel Wonderful. choice for that. Restoration is the next class, and Oculi Curus is our focus subject this semester. The prompt for this one was choose a short list of books you want to read, close your eyes, shuffle and point. So for this, that's, that's, uh, that's essentially how I was like, right, this is the only prompt I can use that will double up for any of my other prompts. I need something <laughs> to make sure I'm not reading eight books <laughs> this month. I, I can at least make it seven. So I picked five different books from my TBR, well, actually from my owned books that had emotion words in the title that I could use for buzzwords and then uh, used a number generator to pick one of them at random. Ended up with Love Stories by Trent Dalton. So there we go. Got Perfect. one. Got one double up. <laughs> 
I could. <laughs> I tried really hard to get either of the Gumption Club or Read Around the World ones to fit these challenges. They did not. Big shame, but oh well. At least they're both. <laughs> at least they're both short ones this month. I've been quite lucky. Both the Gumption Club and Read Around the World books are relatively short, and I've got them both on audiobook. So we should be right. You've got quite a month ahead of you. I do, but fortunately, all of these books are either manageable lengths or I've got them all audiobook. So. Perfect. I shouldn't have a repeat of this month where I've ended up with a nonfiction in physical form, which has stumped me. <laughs> and then finally, for my last class, we've got Demonology, where the focus is on impersonators. And that is to find a book that's been compared online or in videos by other people or whatever to one of your favorite books. For this, I decided to go with Pride and Prejudice. And I looked online. This is, unfortunately, I did this before I discovered how good ChatGPT is at this, or else I would have asked it. <laughs> but I looked online in various articles and whatnot. And um, something that caught my eye because we'd recently done that quiz game, the Book Riot quiz game was uh, North and South by Elizabeth Gaskell mm. popped up on a couple of lists as something that's like a, a pretty underrated classic but something that touches on similar themes of the class differences and and stuff like that in, in, in that kind of time period. I think there might even be an enemies to lovers romance in there. I think something said or I might be I might be remembering that wrong because I read a few different synopses of books all at the same time so I may be mixing it up. I'll let you know after I've read it. But yeah, that's the one I picked. So getting another classic read in there. I've got a, I've got a busy April ahead of me. Absolutely. But I'm quite excited wow. about most of this. So yeah. And apart from North and South, because the nature of that challenge was probably going to be trying to find a book that wasn't already on my TBR, all four of the other books were things I already owned. So I'm quite proud of finding things that were already not only on my TBR already, which is what I usually do. I just go on my TBR and find something. But they were actually things I already owned. So I'm quite proud of that. Love that. Yeah. Amazing. Just adds an extra element of fun, you know, to yeah. the to the reading process. Yeah. Well, that's that's exactly why I joined those those readathons and stuff like that. It really does just gives me a little bit of extra, a little extra zhuzh, you know, like a little <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> and it takes some of the decision making out of the process of what to read next. And, you know, it's just just a bit of fun. Absolutely. Um, so. Well, how has your uh, scarf. scarf been coming? Pretty good pretty good how how about you uh, i kind of slacked on it this month i oh. have to say <laughs> well let's have a look anyway i don't think i've actually i don't think i've actually worked on it Let oh no <laughs> well let's have a look anyway actually that's not true that's not true i think i've added at least two books because the last time we spoke i was on this purple line and i've added a, okay. a red line and a blue line or at least i'm halfway through the blue line okay. so i have made a little bit of progress definitely right. and i haven't read that many books this month because i was slowing down so mm -hmm. that's all right i'm not too worried about that and i probably will do a good amount of crocheting with my grandma when i'm in california okay. so it all works out well you have until you? Uh, you have until the end of this month to send me a photo I'll, let's say absolutely that. i'll probably send it to you tonight <laughs> well like well ha, ha, let's actually say until the end of the month because i'm i'm not going to okay. be updating my the mj album with my photos of the book covers until i finished reading my books for the month so let's let's both say we are we don't update our crochet project photos until the end of the month either sure totally cool so i i uh, have my first patch so like, you know, as, as we've both noted, we've, uh, my, my reading has been a little more stripey <laughs> than yours, but I have my first like patch of brown at the top here, mm. which I don't mind too much, but 
I, I clearly had a few more like four to four and a half star reads in a row than I have. But yeah, overall, it's it's still looking pretty good. Still only have two books in the entire year so far that have reached the below four star, which is impressive. So the book clubs that I'm in are, are, are doing me good. Absolutely. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're picking good stuff. It's gaining some serious length. It really is starting to look like a scarf. Yeah, yeah, yours too. Hopefully by the end of the month, I will have two more stripes to add. Very exciting. When does your uni book club start? Like when, when, when do people start reading? Well, that starts once we get the books delivered and delivering anything in Italy, the mail system really sucks. <laughs> it was supposed to be delivered by this week and I don't think it has because I haven't gotten an email about it. Mm. Usually my mail room would tell me, but everyone is on spring break this week anyway so it'll have to start next week regardless Mm -hmm. hopefully hopefully the books will come in by then although the website i order them from world of books doesn't really provide like specific tracking information Mm -hmm. it just tells you a general time frame for when they're when they should arrive if it's any longer than uh next monday then Mm -hmm. i will probably give them a call okay yeah that's fair so like we'll probably be doing a book talk about that in like Probably two months' time, maybe? Yeah, I mean, end of May. I think the school year ends on May 16th or something like that. Okay. So, by then. End of May. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, listeners, if you haven't read Emma by Jane Austen yet and you want to be able to listen to that book talk when it comes out, then, you know, try and get Emma read by... The end of May probably would be your best bet. Otherwise, if you don't get a read by then, you can always listen later anyway. But, um, you know, (laughs) for those who are deadline-oriented end of May would be your, your best bet. Yep. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Lovely to talk to you all as always. And thank you, Nina. Lovely as to always. talk to you as always. Uh, <laughs> of course. And, uh, <laughs> of course. Um, well, I mean, of course, like, you too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We have been Books Without Borders. If you want to get in touch with us, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is bookswithoutborderspod at gmail.com. That's bookswithoutborderspod at gmail.com. That email address is in our show notes, along with every book we've spoken about in this episode and some other resources as well, including the Imja album that I mentioned multiple times throughout this episode. And we will catch you next time, which will be in a few weeks. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.